you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, a JC softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> excited about seconds. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, doing good, Shane, and happy to report that uh, I've not taken a new job, unlike half the damn SEC this week. <laughs> I know, man. It's getting a little crazy out there, Mike. It's getting crazy. Well, we're going to touch on all of that as we go around the league, but before we do that, Shane, really wanted to uh, hit on some Really interesting off-season content that this is happens every off-season. A guy by the name of Bill Connolly. If you're a big co- big-time college football fan, you know the name. Formerly of SB Nation, now he works for ESPN. But uh, the reason I want to start with him is because he puts out a chart of all 130 college football teams and the returning production they have on offense, mm-hmm. defense, and just overall. So I've just got the numbers here for the SEC. Just wanted to share this with our listeners here, and we'll go right to the top of the list. Texas A&M, no team in the SEC returns more production than the Aggies this year. They're at 77% total production, 80% of that offense. That's kind of a big key of why... I'm so high on Jimbo Fisher's squad heading into year three. You know, we've got almost all Jimbo Fisher players here on the roster. 77% of the production coming back. When you just hear those numbers, Shane, what's that make you think Texas A&M heading into year three of the Jimbo Fisher era? Man, like it's peaking at the right time, Mike. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's what it feels like. And, you know, continuity is something Jimbo stressed on and, You know, they've been able to, you know, one thing about Texas A&M, you know, they've been pretty much able to keep that coaching staff in check. You know, we were joking about, you know, some of these boys leaving and, Mm -hmm. you know, A&M had a few, but for the most part, you know, they were able to keep the the core and I think that's going to only help some of this talent that is coming back that's also, you know, a big part of the production last year. Mm Mm-hmm. Second on the list here, Shane, Kentucky, 73% total, 78% of that defense. And we know Mark Stoops, defensive coach. I know last year a lot of that was, you know, all their success was Lynn Bowden and the running game. But they've got so many running backs coming back, 68% of the offense, 78% again of the defense. 
Kentucky. Got it. You can't sleep on the Wildcats. This could be <laughs> another good year for Mark Stoops' program. Absolutely. Everybody was thinking. I, I saw. I saw when you put this. The first thing, Big Blue Nation was like, "Wait a minute, this can't be right." <laughs> Lynn is gone. How is this much production coming back? But you know, the key of the matter is, you know, so is this offensive line. They were able to keep a lot of these guys from going pro, and uh, I, I think uh, I think this is going to be huge, uh, keeping that front and and the defense. You know. I gave them a hard time at the start of the season, but it really came along there toward the end. And, and a lot of that had to do with the production they had on offense and, and eating that clock up. So um, I think Kentucky's going to be in a, another one, a sneaky, good-shaped team next year. Mm-hmm. Third on the list here, South Carolina. They're 72% across the board. That's So that's total offense and defense. And I think if you're a Gamecock fan, you got to – you know, be a little bit excited there. You're in number three in the SEC. I know the Gamecocks obviously didn't finish with the record they wanted, but they may have had the toughest schedule in the nation. So mm-hmm. you got Mike Bobo now. You got some, you know, quarterback coming back. You got other quarterbacks coming in, including a transfer from Colorado State that's going to be eligible immediately. Uh, there's a chance there that South Carolina, with all that return production, maybe they make a big jump back up. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss right behind him at 71%. I think if you're an Ole Miss fan, particularly, you look at that number, 78% of their offense returning. Now, I think this obviously factors in John Rice Plumley, uh, Jerion Ely not pursuing baseball, you know, and quitting football. Of course, right. you know, so they're, they're kind of assuming those guys come back, as we all should, but you just never know. So, I mean, there's a real chance Lane Kiffin – has this offense going year one. And I think if you're an Ole Miss fan, that's kind of what you're hoping for is just you want an exciting brand of football. And with that many guys, 78%, that's number two in the entire SEC for offense, there's a chance uh, we get to get that lane train gaining some steam, baby. <laughs> yeah, but well, I think they do need a little mix up too, you know. I mean, I, who was it that said, yeah, if you got – a hundred percent of dog crap coming back. You still got dog crap. You know, it's not, I'm not saying that Ole Miss is going to be bad. I'm just saying, uh, you know, sometimes I think that's what's important for Lane being down there is, you know, he's going to have a fresh, uh, he's going to have a, uh, like a fresh perspective, you know, he's going to be able to see it from his eyes and not like, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like a, mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to get sucked into a player that you love and you want to see do well, and 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 sometimes it just doesn't come to fruition. And and maybe a new coach going down there saying, "Yeah, that's not going to work." So um, I, I don't know. That one's a little bit more deceiving in my mind because I think I think uh, if anybody's going to mix this thing up down there in Mississippi, it's definitely going to be coach. Mm-hmm. Now skipping down to Tennessee, they're next on the list, sixty-eight percent coming back. Uh, that number's across the board, and I think your Tennessee Nation there, that's got to be pretty exciting because you're in the top half of the SEC with so much momentum. You don't want to be – they are losing you know, a lot of senior leadership there, but if that can be replaced, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why Rocky Top's so excited for this coming season. And I think what's what's big with that is like what area we're talking, you know. Uh, obviously, it's gonna it's gonna hurt losing those receivers. You know, uh, Juwan was a dog, but you know, having that offensive line come back, I mean, you just don't know how how big that is, especially in the SEC East, because uh, there's going to be several games that will be decided in the trenches, and I'm feeling pretty confident with the Vols going into next year with the trench. Mm-hmm. 
Arkansas is next, right there at 65%, but I think they fit into that category you were kind of talking about with the new staff coming in. Mm-hmm. Hell, all the guys that were on the team last year that were doing stuff, they may not even play in this exactly. or fit this new system. Now, certainly they've, they've got some standout players. They're not going to just disregard those guys, but I kind of disregard this number for Arkansas till we know what they're doing. Georgia's next on the list, but here's the key for Georgia. They're only at 65% total production, but the key number, 80% of the defense, and that's number two in the SEC. Only Vanderbilt has got a higher number. Yeah, so (laughs) we're talking the best defense possibly in the SEC returning, you know, the second most production. I mean, there's a real shot here, and keep in mind they're bringing back off the top of my head, I think they're bringing back all the coaches on that side of the ball as well. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a real chance here that Georgia's got the best defense in the nation next season. Oh, absolutely, man. As much as we're pumping up that offensive line going into this season, I'm telling you, this defense, I, I'm a huge fan of the Steelers and the Steel Curtain, and I'm telling you, with all this production coming back, like you said, the coaching staff just as important. Uh, this, this defense is going to be nasty next year, Mike. Mm-hmm. Next on the list right there, the Gators, 65%. That's pretty standard across the board. No real high peaks for the Gators, but I think we've reached a point with Dan Mullen where it doesn't really matter the per- how much percentage he's returning. I mean, we know he'll coach up his guys. You know what? Yeah. Hell, you got a quarterback coming back. Not a lot of people could say that next year, so mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Vanderbilt's next, 64%, but this is kind of scary because it's 35% offense. That's Second worst in the SEC, 93% of the defense. But, you know, going to your dog crap comment, I mean, Vanderbilt's defense was pretty shitty last year, so that yeah. I think they fit into that category. Auburn's next, 61%. Missouri, 53%. Mississippi State. What, what was Auburn defense? Just curious. Auburn defense, 60%. Okay, that's a little better than I thought. Mississippi State, 51% total. And then the last two here, but I think, you know, LSU and Alabama both at 42%. But I've seen Alabama be on this list time and time again. You know, fewest returning starters, fewest total production returning, and they just climb up the damn charts <laughs> because of what they've got coming back. Now, you can kind of say the same thing about LSU, but, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. Hell, they just maybe put together the best season of all time. But until they prove that they can do the same thing, I'm not willing to say that they can. So, And, it, and LSU's right there, 30% returning offense, the lowest in the SEC. So obviously that's going to be the biggest question mark in Baton Rouge all offseason is what this offense is going to look like next season. Absolutely. I mean, Saban, say what you want. Saban's the king of reloading, and, and we get to see what Coach O could do this year. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. So that's all the numbers I got. I don't want to explode your brain. <laughs> you ready to go around the league? It's getting late in the day, Mike. I done drifted <laughs> off a few times there. So, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> now let's go around the league. My, my daughters said something about – me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm gonna wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up and you should um, you know play more teams from the West. Why don't you 
start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, Shane, let's start here in Baton Rouge. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. But right before we hopped on, news broke. I believe it was first reported by Bruce Feldman of The Athletic that uh, LSU has hired a new passing game coordinator, Scott Linehan. That's a name NFL fans know, I believe, longtime NFL offensive coordinator, I don't know exactly what he was doing last year. Just don't really know the background there. But it's interesting that, uh, you know, obviously they hired Joe Brady last year from the NFL and had all the success. And we're going to jump to Coach O comments here in just a second. But this is something that he hinted at where, you know, he said there's plenty of candidates out there. But who I was really focusing on someone from the NFL. That's where they got Joe Brady and it had so much success. So it seems to me like he's just trying to go back to that pro scheme and where if you got LSU and you got all these elite receivers and you're asking them to do things that maybe most college offenses aren't doing, uh, that just seems to be the you know formula for Coach O's uh, offense there. Hell, I don't know, Mike. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we, we talked about this with Brady, I guess, a little bit last year. You know, we – we pumped them up toward the start of the season, but you you just never know when these guys are going to pop, especially when they're coming from the NFL. That's all Coach O wants. He wants to stay ahead of the curve. You know, uh, a lot of these pro. I mean, it's 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 so funny watching college and pro. You know, because the, how the games changed over the years, and you know, if you want to stay relevant, if you want to stay on top, you always got to be learning. You always got to be taking something. And that's kind of the theme you're going to hear later when Coach O's talking. And I think it, it should be no surprise he's going to the NFL to look for uh, the next best thing. Um, but again, this guy's going to have a short lease, probably not as long as leash as Brady did. And, and if it doesn't work, then you, you'll never see him play make a call, you know? Yeah, and I, I think you know, one thing LSU said time and time again last season that I don't think can be overlooked was the fact that uh, offensive coordinator Steve Ensminger kind of embraced Joe Brady so much and they worked hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got a 60-year-old coach and this 30-year-old coach and there was no egos there. Now, right. I don't know anything about Scott Linehan, you know, personally, so I'm not trying to speak out of turn, but what if he has an ego? Why in the hell am I listening to this guy? I've been in the NFL for 20 years. Or, you know, what if he he tries to make a call and and it doesn't work or Ensminger disagrees or, you know, I'm sure Ensminger's kind of met this guy and and given him the green light and everything. Uh, But, you know, I think that can't be overlooked either. You know, you just don't know how these two are going to work. We're looking at his bio here. I don't think they have any crossover. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's a question mark for me. Yeah, yeah. We're going to sit back and wait on that one. (laughs) Well, speaking of Coach O, uh, let's kick it over to him. We didn't have any comments from him from the National Signing Day show just because LSU kind of struck out on all their big targets there. Nothing really to talk about in the recruiting side. But he did talk about, you know, the future of the offense with Miles Brennan under center. 
the search for the uh, next passing game coordinator, who, of course, obviously we know now, Scott Linehan. And then th- this is uh, his first official comments here on the hire of Bo Pelini. And I really thought uh, this was some interesting comments here on Bo Pelini. Coach, do you feel like you're set at quarterback as far as the guys going to be there? And second, what are your thoughts on Max Johnson and his ability to come yeah. in and compete? Well, we're excited about Miles. I've always thought that Miles is going to be an excellent quarterback. Uh, we want Miles to be the best Miles Brick. Uh, I don't think it's fair to compare him to Joe. I don't know if we're going to see another guy like Joe. We may, we may not. But we want Miles to be his best. And if he's at his best, we feel that he can be excellent. We feel that Max is going to be an excellent uh, quarterback. Uh, we feel that we got great quarterbacks. And uh, uh, we're going to look at our quarterbacks this spring. Uh, we're going to see what they do. We're going to give them a chance to compete and uh, see what they got. Yeah, you know, we interviewed, we had one interview. Uh, we are uh, vetting a lot of guys. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, uh, coaches that are interested. Uh, we're looking at the NFL primarily, not necessarily that we won't look in college. Uh, we're looking for different ideas. Uh, we're looking for things that can add to already great offense. Uh, we're gonna, we interviewed one guy. We're going to interview several guys next week. Uh, I don't need to make a decision until before spring ball. Uh, George Munoz, who's, uh, who was an analyst for us, is always going to be a candidate. I thought he was, did a very good job for us. But I want to see what's out there. I want to uh, do a great job of bringing the best I can for LSU. And for right now, we, we can't make a decision because we have other guys to interview. But the, the names have been mentioned have all been very pass game oriented, like you're, you're yeah. adding pieces of the pass game yeah. that you from different yeah. places. Yeah, you know, um, Joe Brady handled the third down in the red zone for us. And uh, we brought Carter in. Carter's been in the Saints. Now we brought the Cleveland Browns in here. We want different ideas. We brought Sanford in here. We want different ideas. And we want to marry those ideas and grow to a really prolific offense. And the guy that comes in, uh, whoever we hire, is going to have to know our system very well or teach us something different. So I think that we're trying to, to grow. Uh, it's our first year in the spread offense. And we also tried to retain the knowledge that we learned from Joe, the knowledge that we learned from the Saints. Ed, I heard you talk on the radio uh, about Bo. Can you kind of take us through the genesis of that? And he hasn't really been in the spotlight of you know, major college mm-hmm. football. So what, mm-hmm. what made you go to him? Well, uh, I've known Bo through Coach Carroll. And, uh, and, you know, I have a lot of respect for Coach Carroll. And uh, Coach Carroll think that Bo is the brightest defensive mind he ever been been around. That says a lot to me. And uh, Bo, Bo used to come visit us at USC. Uh, when uh, Dave was being mentioned for a job, uh, Bo was the first name I came up with. And, and I always wanted to coach with him. I'd, the year I was off, I went speaking at his clinic in Nebraska. He and I got along well. I watched the way he coached. I said, you know what, this type of coach I like being around. And, uh, you know, Jack Marucci is a uh, confidant of mine. Uh, I asked Jack a lot of questions. Jack said that Bo is one of the best defensive minds or defensive coordinators. He's been around here at LSU. Uh, Bo left here with a great mark. The players loved him. Obviously, his top defenses that he had, two of the top defenses in the SEC, two out of the three years, top three defenses. He's a 4-3 guy, and that's my background. I thought it was time for us to maybe shift a little bit to the 4-3, more of an attack style defense. Uh, he's already made an impact. Uh, his first meeting yesterday with the players were phenomenal. We brought a lot of energy. Uh, 
He set the tempo. Uh, he's very um, – he does a great job of taking control in the defensive meetings. And I think that uh, he has an open mind on uh, on the personnel. Uh, he's going to listen to, you know, hey, man, what can this guy do? What can that guy do? I think he's going to put him in the best position to attack. I can expect us to get more sacks, more tackles for a loss because of his defense. All right, Shane, so it seems like – you know, I'm not trying to read too much in between the lines here from what Coach O had to say, but it certainly seemed to me like, you know, Dave Aranda, he mentions it here, it's a 3-4 defense type, and he wanted yeah. to go back to the 4-3. That was kind of big for hiring Bo Pelini. And I'm wondering, I know, hell, LSU just won the national championship, so certainly don't think Coach O is, like, calling out Dave Aranda here or anything, but I wonder if he's looking around the SEC and the college landscape and saying – you know, maybe we need to shift to where everyone's kind of going more towards the three, four or like a nickel base. And maybe mm-hmm. we need to be, you know, trending back to old school four, three. And that's maybe why he's bringing in Bo Pelini to, you know, make LSU once again, that elite defense that they really hadn't been in, I think about two, two seasons. Yeah. Why, why stop there, Mike? Let's run the wishbone again. You know, I just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, you know, you're always, like I said, you're always looking for the edge. I, I'm not, I'm not sold on this bow hire. I just, you know, he comes out and he says the same old stuff, you know, you know, he's coach Pete Carroll is the greatest defensive mind, you know, well, you know, the Seahawks, the Seahawks hired a defensive coordinator last year and it wasn't Bo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm just, I, I'm not saying what he's saying is, is, is a lie, but I don't know. It just kind of feels like a favor hire or something like that. And um, but then on the other hand, they're giving him so much money uh, that it makes you wonder that maybe he, maybe there is some truth to it. Maybe this this is something you know coaches used to. You know, he made a comment there. He's used to coaching this way. Uh, you know, maybe he he's dead set on going back to a four three and and um, I don't know, man. Well, I, maybe I, he's got nude photos of uh, coach O. <laughs> well maybe he's looking at his roster and say you know what a 4-3 really would work with what we got you know mm-hmm. uh coach i mean coach these guys are down there they know what they have they know what they got recruiting he wants an aggressive defense i get that you know but i'm kind of with you man the way the games and uh, you know is changing it's it's not it's i don't know if a 4-3 is going to be the answer. I mean, there's a reason nobody's doing it right now. Mm-hmm. The spread has come obviously to the SEC for a couple of years now, and hell, now we got Mike Leach and, and exactly. Lane Kiffin. I mean, hell, this. I don't know if this is how this is going to work out here. <laughs> exactly. So why why make that big of a why change who you are? You just went undefeated. You just won a national championship. Did did you have the greatest defense in the world? Absolutely not. But you got to remember, Joe was scoring touchdowns in a minute. You know what I'm saying? So those guys were getting tired. It's just, I don't know. I just, I, I don't like the idea of changing who you are. Um, you know, if you're if you're like one of these bubble teams like Georgia that just can't get over the bump, you know, can't get over the hill, yeah, okay, mix it up. Let's try something different. Mm-hmm. But if you just won a national championship, and not just one, I mean, you kicked everybody's ass, and now you want to switch things up? That that's that doesn't seem like a smart move. Mm-hmm. Or 
Hell, maybe it's a genius move, but maybe it is. Maybe, it's, maybe ten years from now we're gonna say, you know what, Coach O's a hell of a guy. You know, a good coach. Well, let's kick it down next to Auburn. Get ready, Tumor's corner. Auburn's coming to roll you. Where once again, Auburn they didn't have a whole lot going on there on National Signing Day. It was uh, they added a couple pieces, but uh, didn't have any comments from Gus Malzahn from the National Signing Day. But we have had some news here. And it starts with uh, Booby Whitlow, Shane, has left the team. Mm-hmm. Auburn starting rusher, led the team in rushing, uh, scored, you know, the only running back there with more than uh, with double-digit touchdowns, I should say. And, you know, on the surface, this is a blow. But from what I understand, he had essentially just kind of quit the team. So I don't think this is any kind of situation where, you know, he's trying to upgrade i think i don't think he really had an option to stay at auburn so this is just a weird situation and i know auburn fans are going to know this but you know it just seems like gus malzahn for whatever reason it doesn't matter who the damn running back is like he can make these kids a star and they just added a five-star running back tank bigsley i mean he may be the next big thing at auburn or Mm -hmm. you know it just seems like annually there's a guy that just three-star, four-star, what have you, they come in, if Gus sees something in them, he just gets tons and tons of production from them. So on the surface, losing your starting running back, obviously not a good thing, but I honestly think this is not going to really hurt Auburn at all. No, I I don't think so either. Do you think that he's he was worried about keeping his job? I mean, that's, that's also a possibility, but um, yeah, I don't, from what I heard, and I think the first person that I heard this from, I should give him credit, was uh, Cole Kublick, where I think he was just like not showing up to workouts and everything. So I, um, for whatever reason, I just think he was just not interested in sticking around. And um, I don't think Auburn is going to be too sad to see him go. I'll just put it that way. Which running back, if you've never seen him before in your life, do you think would be better, a guy named Booby or a guy named Tank? <laughs> <laughs> You know I'm taking Tank 10 out of 10. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) In other news there at Auburn, they've hired a defensive back coach, Al Bago, I think is how you say that, from West Virginia. And Mm -hmm. from what I understand, this guy was West Virginia's number one recruiter. So that's a blow to West Virginia. Nice ad there for Auburn. And this guy's got... uh, coaching ties he he was at Auburn for a number of years as a, like an analyst type guy and yep. then he was also a head coach in the state of Alabama at the high school level so uh, I really like this hire by Auburn I think Gus Malzahn being in that state with Alabama he's really got to walk a fine line of having elite coaches and elite recruiters on his staff and I think he's leaning a little bit towards the recruiting aspect on this but I'm fine with that because that's what he's got to do and I think that's a big part of why Auburn is consistently in the top 10 rankings recruiting because like I said he really knows how to walk that fine line of surrounding himself with elite recruiters and coaches for sure man I like that hire now we like that hire but the one we're still kind of iffy on is old Chad Morris until <sighs> until we see something better and you know remember this time last year Gus you know he's putting it all on himself he's calling the plays that's I think he said something like this is how I got the job and I'm you know this is I'm putting it on myself here then we got a year later after some questionable offensive performances turning the keys over to Chad Morris so let's kick it over to Gus talk about the fact that he is handing over 
all the play calling duties to Chad Morris. We'll see. You know, he said that before, but it's not really worked out. Uh, one thing I think Auburn fans would really appreciate, though, Chad Morris really does know how to use the tight end. And that is like a foreign concept at Auburn for some damn reason. So maybe they're going to start using the tight end more. They even landed a recruit that was committed to Arkansas, but of Mm -hmm. course flipped to Auburn once Chad Morris got on staff. Uh, So here's Gus on everything that uh, the greatest offensive coordinator in the nation, Chad Morris, brings to Auburn. Golly. Are we talking about the same guy? (laughs) Let me get on the wiki here. Yep. Nope. Same guy. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I just hired, in my opinion, the best offensive coordinator in college football. And, you know, you get an opportunity to hire a guy like Chad Morris. And, you know, so, uh, I mean, I love calling plays. I mean, I've said that numerous times. But when you got a chance to hire Chad Morris, um, he's he's not as good. He's special good, in my opinion. And, uh, man, I'm so excited he's here and just – He's already brought so much just positive energy. Um, you know, our, our players, uh, they're very excited. I'm very excited. And um, so looking forward to have him run our offense. And, I, and I'm really hoping it's for a long time. And uh, like I've said before, me and him have talked about this day, about us coaching together for a long time. And so when things went down like they did his previous job, you know, it worked out super. So uh, very excited about Chad. Because as far as Brandon Frazier goes, you know, he had a relationship with, with Chad. Yeah. He's here now. He's an elite pass-catching tight end. Yeah. Does this represent kind of a change for what you guys are going to be doing offensively? Yeah, you know, so I know it's been, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of our fan base, like when are we going to throw the tight end? Well, it, it, it's here. So the frustration of the not throwing the tight end enough, you know, I think we got two guys that can really help change it and the guys we got. And then really if you look at what Coach Morris did the last two years, I think – they targeted the tight end either the most or second most in all of college football. And so that's really a big uh, priority for Coach Morse. And, uh, you know, Brandon knows that too. Talking about Chad taking kind of things to another level, what, where do you think he can make the most difference in kind of transforming the offense? You know, I think more than anything is just a fresh start, fresh eyes. Um, you know, we're from the same family, uh, the foundation, but, you know, he's different. And uh, I know him and Bo have already spent, you know, a lot of time together and cord and all that and just talking about the new things that we're going to do. I know our receivers are, are excited about it. And, you know, I'd say there's a good chance we could throw it a little bit more than what we what we did last year and, you know, build around Bo's strengths and, and all that. But I just, you know, I think more than anything, it's just the newness, uh, fresh eyes, fresh start, um, and a guy that has been ultra successful. You know, like I said, I do like the point he's making about the tight end. If nothing else, Auburn's going to be utilizing their tight end moving forward. Maybe maybe he's overwhelmed. Maybe, you know, maybe Arkansas was just too big for him. You know what I'm saying? And, and this simplifies it. He just has to focus on one side of the ball. And, you know, maybe maybe he can excel. I, I'm, I'm not – you know, I gave – I give Coach Morris – golly, I gave him a hard time. You know, and I'm thinking about him right now. I want to, I want to talk about him and – Bo Nick sitting in a tree stand looking at deer with no bullets in their guns, you know, but I, I'm not going to go down that path, Mike, because I'm willing to give him another shot. Coach Malzahn is not a dummy. I mean, he's really not. I mean, we give him a hard time. He sounds dumb sometimes, but you know, this is a, this is a hell of a ball club and what they were able to do last year and beat Alabama. I mean, that's, that's a huge feat in itself. 
there's a reason he's bringing Coach Morris up there. He sees something. So maybe this would be good for Malzahn, too, to take a step back so he doesn't have to worry about too much of the game and he can focus on the overall picture because now he's finally got somebody he can trust. You know, mm-hmm. there's none of that filtering stuff like he had a couple of years ago. This is He's going to let Coach Morris coach this offense and um, say what you want. I think, you know, there there was some times last year Arkansas had an identity on offense. They just weren't able to execute it and, you know, face it. There's, there's He doesn't have to worry about a quarterback, Mike. He's got one. You know what I'm saying? So he's, he's, that's already penciled in. That was 90% of the frustration last year with Arkansas. Now he can build around. I, I think I'm willing. He can't screw that one up. Yeah. I'm Well, <laughs> I <laughs> I'm willing to give him a shot, Mike. So I'm not going to judge him until I see some, you know, for a reason to judge him, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you recall his first year at Arkansas, I know Razorback fans, they used to love to tout this stat, but they scored 31 on Alabama. And I think they were the Mm -hmm. the only SEC team to score that many on the Crimson Tide that season. And Mm -hmm. I mean, there was... There were moments of promise there at Arkansas on offense, so maybe it's kind of like you're saying. Maybe he just needs to simplify what he's being asked to do, just Mm -hmm. focus on this unit, just focus on helping Bo Nix get the most out of his talent because I've said it here on this show, I think Bo Nix has got a lot of potential, and I don't think they got the most out of him last year. We saw it in glimpses. It was very inconsistent. So maybe maybe if Chad Morris – quarterback whisper if he can get that <laughs> if he can get that solved uh maybe auburn will prove a lot of people including myself wrong absolutely all right shane let's kick it down to gainesville where the biggest news here on the gators this was huge i thought they obviously lost i believe we talked about it on the last episode uh, they lost their tight ends coach larry scott which you know, mm-hmm. on the surface, seemed like a like a loss. I really thought it was. I, I've got a high opinion of Larry Scott, even though he had a disastrous run there at Tennessee, but I think that was more Butch Jones than old Larry Scott. So you lose an assistant like that, a good coach, maybe an even better recruiter. How will Dan Mullen respond? Well, he went out and got, in my opinion, the best tight end coach in the nation, Tim Brewster, hired him away from North Carolina, and this is big on a couple levels here because Tim Brewster works a long time with Mac Brown. He was associate head coach. So I got to imagine, I've not seen the contract details yet, but I would think Dan Mullen had to hire, you know, offer this guy the moon. And it's a great hire because I'll tell you what, not only does Tim Brewster turn out all conference players at the tight end position, he may be one of the best, I'd say, handful assistant coaches in the nation that can recruit at an elite level and that's what Dan Mullen has got to do if he's going to ever catch and surpass Georgia you got to surround yourself with more assistance like Tim Brewster Tim Brewster now what now where was his who's some of the talent that he has put out I mean yeah absolutely so he was at uh, Texas A&M for only one year with Jimbo Fisher and mm-hmm. they took a junior college kid that nobody wanted. I don't think Jay Sternberger made him an All-American. He was at Florida State. Had a guy, he was highly touted, but Nick O'Leary, the tight end, he's yeah. a two-time finalist for the Mackey Award given to the nation's top tight end, and he actually won it in 2014. 
uh, Algie Crumpler, former oh, yeah. uh, a, All-ACC and NFL star. Hotlanta. Yeah. Yep. Freddie Jones, another all ACC selection at tight end. And here's probably the best one, Shane. Uh, Tim Brewster also has experience in the NFL. He -hmm. was with the San Diego Chargers when they drafted a basketball player by the name of Antonio Gates. And Brewster was his coach that helped, you know, train him to be a damn tight end. And he's going to go into the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, these are just a few of his tight ends that have become household names. And that's before you even get to the recruiting where. He was at Florida State. He was recruiting coordinator for Jimbo, where they were a damn recruiting machine down there. So he knows the state of Florida. He knows how to recruit down there. Uh, I just think he's going to do tremendous there for Dan Mullen. He, and he's his best recruiter by far already, I think. Damn. I mean, that's what Dan needs, man. Something we talked about. If he can surround himself with good recruiters, now it sounds like they've got a great one and a great coach. So, uh, ugh, man, that's going to be – that's not going to be good, Mike. <laughs> that's not how things are supposed to work. <laughs> oh, that's good. Good hire, man. Good hire. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to Columbia, South Carolina, where, hell, as soon as we got done recording our last show, oh, damn, Jordan Birch signed, so made us look like some idiots there with the, some audio, but uh, they finally got him in the boat, so that's good news for South Carolina, but maybe we – you know, see why he was kind of hesitant to sign Shane, because as soon as he signed on that dotted line, about half the damn staff here left South Carolina. And we'll start with uh, running backs coach Thomas Brown. He's left for the Los Angeles Rams. So you kind of understand that one. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a move you, I think you got to make if you're a college assistant. But then here's the one that probably hurt Birch, defensive line coach John Scott Jr., after only one year in Columbia, he's left to take over the same position for Penn State. And then rumor has it, this is yet to be confirmed as of this recording, but Brian McClendon, the uh, receivers coach, former offense coordinator, apparently being looked at by the Steelers, Shane. There you go, your Steelers, to be receivers coach. So a lot of movement there at South Carolina's coaching staff. But... He's turned around quickly here and hired two guys from Tennessee staff. <laughs> Director of player personnel Drew Hughes, who he's he's one of these guys that uh, kind of helps set up the recruiting board and player relations and camp visits and stuff. So this is this is a guy that's very well received. I can tell you for a fact, Jeremy Pruitt did not want to lose Drew Hughes. Comes to South Carolina, and then they hired Tennessee defensive line coach Tracy Rocker away from Jeremy Pruitt. Although I should note that uh, Tracy Rocker's contract was up at Tennessee. I do not think it was going to be renewed, but hell, I saw some Tennessee fans happy to see Tracy Rocker gone on Monday, and I cannot understand that for the life of me. I know he was not an elite recruiter, but if you want to talk about an elite defensive line coach, that'll think about it, Shane. This time last year, Tennessee had no returning starters on defense. I think they returned about 20 snaps, 20 snaps, I should say, on the defensive line. That unit was very good. And then his first year there on staff, they had guys like Kyle Phillips and Shy Tuttle, guys that were touted but never did anything. No. And then now those guys are playing in the NFL thanks to Tracy Rocker. So this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, and uh, going back to South Carolina with McClendon, I, I honestly, I, I thought that one – what's going to happen at mm-hmm. some point. And, uh, but I was the first one to jump on that wagon when all these coaches are 
uh, running out of town, you know, to make fun of them. And then all of a sudden they call off the Tennessee guys. I'm like, oh, man, what's going on here? You know, but uh, I'm kind of with you. Um, you know, I, I've gone back and forth with this rocker deal. Uh, I think what I think he's a hell of a coach, you know, but I mean, his contract was up. Why, why would Pruitt not extend that contract if he saw something that was working? And uh, I, I think, you know, that that should speak volumes because, you know, it's easy to look at the final product, but, you know, Coach Pruitt sees this guy day, every day, and he knows if he can get out there and recruit, which he's not been able to, uh, you know, we, we, we've we had some big ones slip through his fingers, you mm-hmm. know, and – and you and you look at the defensive production and, and how much of that is Pruitt and how much is that is Rocker because I mean how many times have we saw film come out in, in practice and, and and Coach Pruitt's talking to the defensive line over there you know so um, I'm kind of torn on this one but I mean I, I'm just going to say I got faith in Coach Pruitt and if he feels like he doesn't belong then then I'm 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 okay with him leaving Tennessee Homer. Yeah, till I die. Till I die, man. I'm always going to find a positive. Well, we'll get to Tennessee in just a second. But before we do that, let's kick it over to Will Muschamp because uh, some of his comments here recently from his National Signing Day press conference had to do with, uh, you know, the upcoming spring here in Columbia. And I thought these two clips stood out because – uh, they, you know, they got the two guys from Colorado State, where he's finally mm-hmm. talked about them. Ed, Adam Prentice, the fullback, who's probably going to start for uh, the Gamecocks there, and then also on the quarterback Hill, who they also got from Colorado State, eligible immediately. But uh, it sounds like he is going to miss just about all of spring here in Columbia. Uh, with some of the other new guys to the program, uh, Colin Hill and Adam Prentice. How, how have you seen them come along? And I guess Good. with Colin coming off the Well, Colin's the knee still injury. rehabbing the knee, and, and they think he's ahead of where he should be right now as far as his strength is concerned, as far as his quad is concerned, and that's the biggest thing is the strength levels. And they think he's ahead of where he's supposed to be. He's working extremely hard um, you know, to, to, to rehab the knee. Adam has been extremely impressive. He's going to be a really good football player for us. Uh, got outstanding leadership ability. All the intangible qualities you're looking for is exactly how uh, Coach Bobo explained him when uh, before he got here. And, and as far as the, the the quarterback situation going in the spring, how how will that dynamic sort of play out for you guys as as you sort of juggle Colin with what he can do and, and mixing him in with? Well, I don't think Ryan Colin's going to take any snaps during the spring, based on what I've been told. He will not be fully cleared till June. Uh, uh, possibly May. Uh, I think I'm just trying to get my months right. I think that's right at five and a half to six months, May, maybe. Uh, so he won't take any snaps in the spring. Coach, when you talk about the quarterback room, it's a young group, and you have an experienced guy like Colin coming in. How important will he be in terms of just helping managing the young minds? I know Ryan has experience, but when you add a couple sure. guys that are that young, just how pivotal role will he play in terms of helping develop and manage those minds? Well, I think that as much as anything, there's going to be some new terminology that Colin's familiar with and maybe Ryan and, and Luke and Jay are not at this point. They will be, and those guys are working extra on their own every single day to come up here and learn. So when we do start with the coaches, that they've got a pretty good grasp of what we're trying to do, and that's the one thing in that group. We've got an outstanding group with, as far as work ethic is concerned and intelligence is concerned and maturity is concerned. 
Uh, so those guys will, will will be ready to go, and uh, certainly having Collins' experience is nothing do not do nothing but help. But Mike's also got a lot of experience in coaching young quarterbacks, and so he understands you know what a guy can handle, what he can't handle, what we feel like we can do, and what we feel like we can't do. And I think that uh, you know his experience certainly will help us with that. I mean, I I don't blame Rocker for going, you know, especially if he knew the contract was up because. Hell, if you're a defensive line coach and you got what you got to work with, I mean, shit. Yeah, I'll take that job. South Carolina's got some fucking good linemen now. Yeah, yeah. Birch, Huntley. Yeah. Yeah, sign me up. Okay, you know. Uh, Last year they signed Pickens, a five-star. Hemingway, that's another one. I mean, they're they're loaded up front. So I think it's a win. I think it's a win-win. I think Tennessee wins and I think South Carolina wins because, hell, he – they don't. He doesn't have to crew. He has to coach, and he's got some young talent that he needs to make better quick. And because South Carolina's got a tough schedule next year, and he's they may need a couple of these boys to produce. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. So kicking over here to Muschamp's comments, though, uh, I just really wanted to make this note on Hill, Colin Hill, the quarterback. So obviously, it sounds like he's going to miss spring. And mm-hmm. if you're a South Carolina fan, hoping this kid kind of comes in and takes over the starting role, I, I'm i not saying that's not what you should be hoping for, but I think it's actually better if maybe he does not play in the spring, kind of rests up, because I think the young quarterbacks on your roster, they basically all have more promise than this kid, so they're going to get all the majority of the reps. And this Hill's going to be able to help them kind of with the – system and the language and all that and when he gets better in the summer he's got the full training camp right before fall if the if none of these young quarterbacks for South Carolina picks up the system I mean it's going to be there for Hill to take it and I think it's the best of both worlds here because uh, you're getting more reps for all your younger quarterbacks letting them kind of get acclimated to Mike Bobo's system and if they can't do it then here you got this kid ready to come in hungry to play and he'll have a whole training camp to earn that starting job. For sure, man. I mean, I almost wouldn't – even if Hill was healthy, I'd almost – unless you think he's got the job. I, mm-hmm. I've heard I've heard mixed emotions on this. I, I don't I don't think he's the starting quarterback. I, he may be the, at the start of the season, but I think by the end of the season, it's going to be one of these young kids coming up. And like you said, springtime, these valuable reps, especially when you're learning this new style offense, new play calling, and, and – uh, they need every rep that they can get that's so valuable. So, uh, But I, I do think him coming back in the fall, even if, uh, let's say, it's Ryan or something like that, I think Hill being on that team's just going to push him more, you know, uh, to put more time into it so that he's better prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, let's kick it down to Rocky Top, Shane. Balls are back. Before long, we'll be taking a bite out of everybody we play's ass. Where we've got some coaching movement here as well. But before we get to the coaching movement, wanted to get your thoughts on this because Wanya Morris, starting left tackle, and Kavaris Crouch, who looks like he's going to be shifting inside to linebacker after playing outside his true freshman season. But these are two of the best players on Tennessee's roster, maybe not the most experienced, but maybe the most talented. They're both going to be out for spring. I believe Wanya Morris is going to be out with a hip and Crouch out with a shoulder. They both had surgery, so both out. Thoughts on that, Shane? Is uh, Tennessee Homer here, two of your better players, going to miss the spring? Is that a big deal or no deal? 
Uh, no deal on Wanya. Uh, I think Eric would have been a bigger deal, just the fact they're moving him inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the reps would have been important. But uh, I think Wanya is just – uh, he's just got it, man. He's one of the, he's he's going to be playing on Sunday one day. Uh, a lot of folks maybe on this podcast don't know him, but uh, he's just one of those that you're going to see here in uh, two three years, and you're going to say, "Oh, that guy played at Tennessee." You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I he's he's got it, and Eric, I, he's got the tangibles to be a, a fantastic linebacker, but it's harder to come in, you know, at, at Tennessee and, and just pick up as a friend. Only a few people are able to do it as a true freshman. You know, uh, we're fortunate to have, uh, uh, what's a Toa Toa, you know, to mm-hmm. come in there and do it, but, um, it, it's a limited crowd. And, and I think the, the reps really would have helped him, especially moving inside. Mm-hmm. Now, as for the coaching movement, we hit on that Tracy rocker, obviously gone to Carolina. Drew Hughes also gone to Carolina, but, uh, outside linebacker coach, Chris Rumpf gone to the NFL, Houston Texans. is going to be their new outside linebacker coach, but it certainly seems like old Jeremy Pruitt knew these moves were coming because when about, within about an hour, he had both <laughs> positions filled, and he hired outside linebacker coach Shelton Felton uh, from mm-hmm. Akron, who he was there for just a year. He was coaching outside linebackers. Before that, he was at Tennessee. So yep. this is a coach that's familiar with uh, Coach Pruitt's defense. And uh, before being hired at Tennessee, he was at Chattanooga, and apparently they had a really good defense at that level you know, the FCS level. And then before that, uh, this is probably another key attribute that Pruitt really likes is he was a championship winning high school coach in Georgia. So he's got a lot of good connections in the, that's probably the key state there for the Tennessee volunteer program and recruiting. So for- uh, ironically, he's engaged with Julia Gulia. Do you remember her? <laughs> <laughs> why name, why name your kid Shelton Helton? You know, I mean, you couldn't think of any name that didn't rhyme with Helton. No, Felton. Shelton Felton. Oh, Felton. Yeah, Felton. That's what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> Jeez Louise. And then they've also hired defensive line coach Jimmy Brumba from Colorado. And this is a guy that, uh, you know, very well received. I honestly didn't know a ton about this guy till I looked him up. But, uh, you know, he played in the SEC at Auburn. He was an all-SEC selection. And I know it's easy to say sometimes, you know, the defense of uh, or these players that just because they were good players doesn't mean they were going to be good coaches. Yeah, so he obviously worked with Mel Tucker there at Colorado, and Mel Tucker runs the same defensive system as Pruitt. They both come from the, from the Saban coaching tree. Uh, this guy has been defensive coordinator at Maryland, so you know he's got the ability to move up. And then he previously served at Kentucky, and uh, coached up guys like Bud Dupree and Zadarius Smith, both in the NFL right now on the defensive end. And uh, he also worked there when he was at Kentucky with Derek Ansley, who's obviously the Tennessee defensive coordinator. So it certainly seems like Pruitt went with two defensive coaches that are already familiar with his system, kind of slide in. There won't be a ton of transition this spring. And when you look at it, uh, everyone on Tennessee's defensive staff from last season, with the exception, obviously, of Pruitt and Ansley, the entire defensive staff is going to be new. So uh, I think it's important that you hire guys that you're basically not going to have to be teaching the terminology and the system and everything, and they're, they're just going to be ready to hit the ground going. Yeah. 
Yeah, is that Brom that uh, Brumbaugh? Is that the one that was uh, the Kentucky guy? Yep. Is that what you said? Uh-huh. Yeah. Is that the one? Uh, what's his name was talking about <laughs> on Twitter? He says Tennessee keeps hiring all of Kentucky's players <laughs> or coaches. <laughs> but the uh, the battles between Kentucky and Tennessee on Twitter all off season have I mean they oh, they've been so glorious, good, haven't they? Yeah. Well, I can't say anything because our basketball team's so bad right now. But it's just I could, I mean, you could feel it, man. And I love it. I I'm soaking it up because rivalries, like I said, are one of the best parts of college football. And and uh, I mean, think about it. We I didn't have any bets with anybody except for Kentucky. I have I still got <laughs> bottles of bourbon out there to to drink. So every time I see Jones say something dumb online, I just go out there and I get me a shot of that uh, W whiskey. That's what I call it, a W bourbon. <laughs> the dub. <laughs> All right, Shay, let's kick it down to Fayetteville. Yes, sir. You know, the Razorbacks obviously have been a damn disaster on special teams in recent seasons. But I got a good feeling that's going to be turning around because they went and hired uh, Georgia's special teams coordinator, Scott Fountain. That's old news. But why I bring that up is because the Razorbacks recently added Duke graduate transfer A.J. Reed as a kicker. And, uh, you know, little moves like this, the casual fan probably overlooks. But, hell, this is a guy made 15 of 18 field goals last season, including a 51-yarder. So he's got the leg. He's got the accuracy. And, uh, like I said, when you're bringing in an elite special teams coordinator, I really think, uh, you know, it's going to – if Arkansas is going to surprise some people, it's going to be, you know, they got to win things like the special teams advantage and everything yeah. I'm seeing from them. They're, they're doing a tremendous job of, of taking the steps to actually do that. Absolutely. Now this was probably my favorite audio clip that I found all week. So I had to include this one, but uh, offensive line coach here, Brad Davis. Now think about it like this, Shane, because Sam Pittman, obviously, you know, his hire was sold initially as, our offensive line has been damn terrible since Sam Pittman left. But it's not like Sam Pittman can just coach the offensive line. He's got so much more responsibilities now in Fayetteville. So he really had to hire someone that he not only really trusted, but someone that can get the damn job done. And it's interesting that he hired this Brad Davis from Missouri because I think once you hear some of these clips, you're getting almost like a younger version of Sam Pittman. And I think this is just perfect. This is going to be music to uh, Razorback fans' ears. So this is Brad Davis, who, remember, coaches at – he used to coach at Missouri, so he scouted Arkansas on how Arkansas kind of slipped what he was seeing from the Missouri side of the field. And then you're going to really love uh, his talk on the expectations of the upcoming season. I don't look at it as a challenge. I look at it as an opportunity. I mean, the bottom line is – the biggest thing that, that we have to do to get this thing turned, in my opinion, is number one, we've got to establish a culture where our players are excited to play the game of football. And when you walk around and look at a place like this and, and, and you know, the facilities, the, the support, you wonder how it could have slipped into the way that it has. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and really, it, to me, it's a cultural deal. You know, having coached against Arkansas the last couple of years, it, it wasn't necessarily a talent issue or a talent deficit. Um, what I observed as a, an opposing coach were, was a group of guys that, for whatever reason, they, they, they weren't fighting the way they, they, they should have. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I, I felt like they just they weren't maximizing their potential, you know. And, and, and 
quite frankly, that's the only way you give yourself a chance. You know what I mean? And so the biggest, you know, a lot of people ask us about recruiting and all that stuff, the guys we signed, the biggest recruiting job we have yet to do is to win the hearts and minds of our players that are here now. Um, and, and that's my number one mission right now is to win our players over, to let them know how much I care about them, how much their success means to me. And ultimately from there, then I can go demand and ask that they go out and be great. You know, nothing good happens you know, without the offensive line going out and executing at a high level. And, and so our players have to acknowledge that and accept it and push through it, you know what I mean? But by how we go out and prepare and get ourselves ready to go compete at a high level. So, um, no, the expectation level is not something that I'm, you know, unfamiliar with. Um, the criticism is not something I'm unfamiliar with. I understand that if we don't play well, we're going to hear about it. You know what I mean? I fully anticipate it, but I also came here to, to kick ass. And so I'm not afraid to run it from anybody. All right, Shane, so this is kind of the edge that the Razorbacks have been missing. And, you know, when Sam Pittman hired his offensive line coach, this was the first hire he made when he got the job. I think that says something, too, about Brad Davis. But, I don't know, I'm pretty fired up to see uh, this offensive line moving forward. It's the attitude you want, man, the big hogs. It, it It's almost like these guys, I mean, they just got down there and they're already sick of being the laughing stock of the SEC. You know, it's, it's these guys – I can only imagine what's going on in, in weight training and what these guys are saying, you know, when they see each other. It's just, I don't know. It, but you got to do that. You got, you really do. You got, you got to have this type of attitude to win the team over. Mm-hmm. And, and if, especially with what Arkansas had last year and what they've had to deal with the last two seasons. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I like this. Every time you get a, a little bit of Pittman, every time you get a little bit of one of the assistants, it's just, it's us against the world mentality. And that's what you got to create because you can't do anything, Mike, until you got the whole team involved and you got the whole team on your side. And that's something that Coach Morris never was able to do. He was never able to win that locker room over. Mm-hmm. And last thing here on the Razorbacks, I have no idea why they've announced this already. We're about 280 days out. (laughs) But the Week 2 game at Notre Dame, remember that Arkansas at Notre Dame Week 2 of the upcoming season, that's going to be on NBC, Shane. It's prime time, or not prime time, but 1.30. But uh, just want Razorback fans, mark your calendar now. (laughs) You got a a nationally televised game. But this will be the – Obviously not the first game of the Sam Pittman era, but this is the first time people are going to be paying attention to him. And, you know, I'm not I'm not willing to go out on that limb just yet, Shane, but can you imagine if damn Arkansas goes up and beats Notre Dame week two? Uh, if you think the hype train is rolling now, it's I mean, it's going to go nuclear at that point. Oh, my God, and I hope they do, man. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I hope they do, man. Just tear that place down. So uh, I, I'm I'm all for it, man. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Starkville, where Mike Leach, you know, obviously landed K.J. Costello, but he's not going to be there till the summertime. So they're going to have to go through the entire spring without the Stanford graduate transfer quarterback. And we're going to find out a lot about the roster Mississippi State, you know, or excuse me, the roster Mike Leach has inherited at Mississippi State, and in particular, those quarterbacks. That's something that Mike Leach kind of hit on here on his quarterback room and how it's looking now with K.J. Costello joining the group. 
uh, how what his coaches have to learn about the roster here in the springtime, and then on how quickly he expects things to take shape there uh, in Starkville. Okay. Uh, with the signing of KJ Costello, you got a pretty crowded quarterback room. How are you going to manage that <coughs> spring with kind of the QB competition? Well, its sequence is pretty good because now we have one in each class. We didn't have a, uh, one in the senior class. Uh, it'll, I think it'll be a very competitive position, and uh, by spring, I hope they can all throw strikes. And uh, and if they can, we're going to sort out, uh, you know, the best one from there. In the end, it's the guy that moves the offense the best. But you know, one way to do that, if uh, if you can throw strikes, you can make six positions good. And so we want the opportunity to have six uh, positions producing out there on the field. The Jackson Clarion Ledger. You mentioned having a quarterback from each class now. How important is it to have a guy like KJ who's a proven starter at a Power 5 program and especially considering Mississippi State didn't have a guy last year with that kind of experience going into spring camp and then the season? Well, I think it's beneficial really for everybody. I think it's beneficial for everybody. The other thing in those quarterback rooms, uh, quarterbacks will learn something uh, one from the other, you know, and then and they'll pick up uh, the, the strong parts that uh, one guy has. <clears throat> so I think that's uh, beneficial, and I think it'll be a very competitive position. Hey, Mike, Ben Portnoy from the uh, excuse me, Columbus Commercial Dispatch. Uh, it, the last couple of years, you've obviously had success with graduate transfer quarterbacks, whether that's Anthony Gordon or Gardner Minshew. How much of that was a selling point for KJ and when you got into that room and started talk to him, talking to him about what he could do at Mississippi State? You know, he was pretty familiar with what we did. He was pretty familiar with what we did. Um, we played against him uh, twice, I believe. Yeah, two times. And, um, well, and so... Uh, he liked the way that we threw it, and uh, of course, knew always knew about three people on our team when it happened. So, um, and then, uh, well, the last time we played, we had kind of a nail biter with uh, uh, when Gardner Minshew was there. They went down and scored what they thought was the final touchdown, and then <coughs> we had a heck of a drive and um, and kicked a field goal to win it. Um, but. Uh, we were really quite familiar with one another. It's not, I mean, um, you know, KJ's kind of a stranger, you know, to Mississippi, but uh, he really wasn't a stranger to most of our offensive staff. You got your, co your coaching staff finalized just last week with, with uh, the addition of Jason Washington. For you now, this next, you know, month or so before spring training begins, what, what is the most important thing for that staff to be working on and, and for your players to be working on uh, in the next, say, few weeks? Uh, well, I, I mean, obviously the off season's the most important thing, but also um, they'll have the chance, you know, they can go out and, there and work out and throw themselves. And, you know, we just need to uh, have, when they go out there and work, they need to be working and diligent on their own about uh, doing the things that, uh, you know, are going to start steering them towards an understanding of what we want to do defensively. And I think it'll happen relatively quickly, but there'll always be some growing pains and there'll always be, you know, go here, not there. But then uh, uh, by the same token, I guess one of the bigger challenges for everybody's going to be as we analyze the roster, you want to put somebody in a position uh, to do what they do best and whatever capacity they can contribute to the team. And then evaluating the roster, I think, is going to be one of the biggest, most important things this spring. All right, Shane. So I really like the fact that Leach is now. <laughs> you got to 
take it with the added note that, uh, you know, like I said, Costello's not going to get there till the summertime, but I really appreciate the fact that Leach is letting them know early, you know, no job is going to be won during the spring, especially at quarterback, because that's just not the way he does it. You just got to always be competing and uh, keep it. Mike Leach is not a guy that's, you know, he's not going to just pencil a guy in. I mean, hell, if you got one bad game, he'll sit your ass. You know what I mean? Like he's he'll he'll do it quickly. And I think uh, I think that's part of why, you know, it's kind of like that Steve Spurrier edge to him when he's coaching up his quarterbacks. And maybe that's part of why they're so successful. This is the first clip of Leach that didn't have a joke in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we usually have something funny said, and it, it's just we got to get used. They're going to have some boring press conferences too, Mike, you know, but we're out here throwing – they can't all be strikes, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I, I think this is um, – I think kind of similar to uh, the South Carolina situation. Mm-hmm. You know, th- these guys want to impress this coach, you know, these quarterbacks that are on the roster already. So I think the fact that KJ is not able to play in the spring – Man, you better take advantage of it if you're on that roster because if you want to win coach over, that's going to be the time. Or at least because, I mean, everything I'm reading saying KJ is going to be the starter, which obviously I think probably he will. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I just – I don't know. I think it's big for these these kids to, to take in that playbook and, and try to win coach over, you know? Yeah, and like you – I mean, we've said it here on the show. I mean, these graduate transfers get so much hype – but a lot of times they don't deliver. Yeah. And if you've got a quarterback on staff already, familiar with receivers, you know, we've we've heard uh, Gardner Minshew talk about how the playbook is not really that huge. You know, it's all mm-hmm. about earning Mike Leach's trust and, and learning this tiny playbook. Uh, there's no there's no way you could tell me that one of these other quarterbacks, there's not a chance they take that. And maybe they maybe it starts in the spring and they just run with it. Yeah. All right, last team to hit on here, Shane. Let's jump on down to Ole Miss. Where once again, you know, Lane Kiffin didn't have much to say on National Signing Day because the Rebels struck out with most of their targets, but added the fine bomb clip. But he kind of had some better stuff when he's just talking about his team when it goes to the upcoming spring. Uh, so let's kick it over to Lane Kiffin, who obviously just about everywhere he's been, he's gotten the most out of the quarterbacks. And for people that are not diehard Ole Miss fans, they may not realize how much talent the Rebels have at that position going into uh, the upcoming season. And then on Otis Reese, the transfer from Georgia, who, hell, if he gets immediate eligibility, he may be one of the Rebels' best defenders immediately. And then finally on uh, this Temple graduate transfer tight end, Kenny Boda, who I don't know a ton about yet at this point because I've not watched much Temple film, but Hell, Giffen said this this guy nearly went to the NFL early. Not a recruiting question per se, but with spring practice just right around the corner, can can you share with us maybe your impression of, of the personnel in your quarterback room right now? Well, I think with baseball, you know, that's going to be tough, you know, to evaluate that completely um, with John playing baseball, and we want that to be his first priority because um, if you're going to be in something, I just think you go, go with it, and whatever time he has left, he'll come to us. So, um, but excited to work with a lot of a lot of really young players at that position, and and two players that you know played a lot last year and, and made a lot of really good plays at times. You alluded to John Rice, uh, baseball being his first priority this spring. Do you expect to have him at all during practice this spring, or is he going to be full-time baseball? Yeah, I talked about with baseball about you know let's see how it goes. 
so he's all in they're all in right now in baseball and then you know let's see if they're you know if they're having a significant role then they'll stay in there if they're not you know then they'll probably come back and do more football so um I found out where the baseball stadium was yesterday because I was driving in the car and then Ely was walking on the side of the road by himself so I circled around to pick him up he's like I'm like where are you going he's at the baseball stadium so and I kept taking the wrong turn he's like do you, do you know where the baseball stadium is coach I'm like I have no idea but I was amazing stadium I didn't even know about it like um beautiful looking stadium Lane is Otis will Otis Reese definitely sit out or is there a scenario in which he could be eligible next year uh, there's always a scenario where they can, you know, they've got to go through a process and, you know, a waiver process and, you know, some of these kids win nowadays as you're seeing around the country. So um, I believe he will be going through that process to try to get uh, eligibility immediately. Anything. Lane, you've talked about managing a roster and using the transfer portal. Kenny Yaboa, uh, the tight end that you brought in, certainly looks like he could help fill what was a critical need. Just uh, your thoughts on him and what he what he can do in your offense. Yeah, that was really big. Like we talked about, you know, it's like managing an NFL roster now with all the different ways players can transfer and come in. So um, Kenny was obviously a need. Um, losing some kids from last year at that position. So uh, very talented kid, kid that actually thought about going out early to the draft um, and decided to transfer and you know, in his term, wanting to play somewhere bigger. All right, Shane. So just want to include these clips from old Kiffin because, you know, one thing that I've heard, Kiffin mentions it here a little bit about uh, trying to find the damn baseball field here, but <laughs> he's talking about John Rice Plumley, And I've heard a lot of people, and I still, it baffles me when I hear this because I know John Rice Plumley not the best passer in the world, but a lot of people think that Kiffin is not even going to keep him at quarterback and I don't think that he's given any indication that he is thinking about moving John Rice Plumley. And I think I think he's too damn smart to to do something that stupid. Oh, without doubt, and he's the first one he talks about. You know, so I mean, he he knows that. Yeah, he's got some players coming back, but which one was the which one had the the biggest upside? You know, who who's who's going to go to Bam? I mean, who gave Bam a hard time? You know what I'm saying? That's that's the type of game player that he's going to need here in this first season. So I'm not saying it's going to be John, but it may be part John. I, I don't know what Lane's going to do, to be honest with you, Mike, but uh, he's definitely not going to tell you who the quarterback is when he doesn't see his best asset on the field yet. Right. Now, one thing I did want to mention, though, 2014, Alabama, I believe that was, this, yeah, 2014, Lane Kiffin's quarterback, was a guy by the name of Blake Sims who came in as a running back. So it's almost a, you know, a similar type situation where I'm not saying John Rice Plumley is a running back, but he's got those traits. Yeah. And they now of course they had a tons of talent all, all over the roster including Amari Cooper, one of the best seasons I've ever seen by a receiver, but hell, I mean he knows what he's doing and he's gotten the most out of guys like this before and you just got to think I mean, obviously, Kiffin is a huge upgrade for what Rich Rodriguez is as a quarterback developer, and you're going to add that type of pedigree to the explosiveness and the playmaking of John Rice Plumley. And I'm just trying to really stress to people, because I'm telling you, I, I keep seeing this. I don't know where this is coming from, but people think Kiffin is not going to keep John Rice Plumley at quarterback. If Ole Miss is going to surprise people and make some noise immediately under Lane Kiffin, the 
the best way that's going to happen is for them to play John Rice Plumley, him to, you know, take a huge step in this system. And Lane Kiffin has shown he can do it, and we all know his track record with quarterbacks. Hell, I mean, I think not next season, but by his senior season, if they continue to develop, I mean, this is a kid that's that could win the Heisman Trophy. Oh, I, I agree. I'm, like I said, this is he he's such a dynamic player, and a lot of people got to see it during the Mississippi State game, mm-hmm. the Egg Bowl, you know. But uh, I'm telling you, dude, they didn't get to see the. I mean, there was some there were some games that he just took over, and if he's able to improve on his accuracy just a little bit and, and his uh his his game management and something maybe Lane could do you know Lane's such a good quarterback whisperer I know a lot of people give him a hard time but uh he gets the most out of every quarterback he ever has so uh who knows what he's able to do what sucks is he is involved with baseball you know and he's not he, I don't know I, I just I hate I love that the kids get the opportunity to play dual sports, but at this level, it's almost like, do you think it hinders them a little bit? I mean, not being out there with the rest of the team? Well, maybe, but I just keep going back to it. I mean, this kid is, I mean, he may be like the next Deion Sanders. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of what makes them special, in my opinion. But it's it's different than than let's say Ely as a running back. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. you you got a quarterback that's that needs to get in. I mean, these guys, obviously they can't, you know, have a practice right now, but they can get out there with some of those receivers and run routes by themselves. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's not doing that right now. He's not working on any type of timing. And, and if anybody needs it in the SEC, it's, it's John, because he's got real potential, like you said, to, to make a run and be a, just a freaking stud in the SEC. And, and he's not able to do that because he's playing baseball too. But like I said, I don't, you know, who knows? The, the kid may be playing Major League Baseball one day and sign a $100 million contract and, you know, looking back saying, yeah, it was fun playing quarterback for a, for a year or two, you know. So we don't know what's going to happen with this kid's future, but uh, I don't know. I just maybe, the, I, I, maybe, Shane, that was the conversation in that car when Lane Kiffin was driving him to the baseball field, <laughs> just driving right past the baseball field, telling him, you know, your future's in football. You need to come to spring practice. And he's like, Coach, you just drove past the stadium. He's like, I didn't see the stadium. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just think about it. Could that have happened? Yeah, well, look what he said. He goes, you took you took the wrong time. Oh, you did I make another wrong decision? <laughs> <laughs> Subliminal message the entire way. I love it. Oh, man. That's awesome. He's probably telling John, what's, uh, what's John doing? You know, just when well, next time you see him, tell him, you know, to come out there and throw ball with somebody, you know, I don't care who it is. All right, Shay, that's all I got on this one. You got anything before we hop off here? Oh, no, Mike. This was a long one, man. Shit, we ain't, we ain't going to do five podcasts. Uh, we're going to do <laughs> one five hour podcast a week, Mike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, we got to milk this off season content for all, all we can because there's just not a whole lot of it until the springtime comes but uh appreciate you hanging out with me shane hopefully uh the listeners enjoyed this one yeah <laughs> i know hey i did I, I give you a hard time but you know right now it is a little slow um uh, but you know we we've got some good content this week and and it's going to continue uh there's there's 
things happening every day and uh, if we find it newsworthy we'll definitely include it in the pod uh we'll definitely have at least one out a week right now and if something crazy happens we'll definitely jump on we'll, we'll keep you posted uh keep an eye on us uh on twitter uh instagram i mean reddit we're everywhere so and if you do have an iphone the ratings and reviews really do help us out um i, I appreciate everybody that's, that's i mean we have i think we're over 500 now mm-hmm. uh so that's that's freaking awesome and uh, you know we couldn't do it we couldn't do this show without you guys and and the effort you guys put in is, is very appreciated and I'll, I'll definitely read those on here and if you did a uh, five-star rating review just be sure to get with mike um, and we'll get you out one of them koozies. Uh, we got a, we still got a lot of team colors left, so just just screenshot that and send it to either the Gmail account that's that SEC podcast at gmail.com or you can get us there on the Reddit page or Twitter. Absolutely, Shane. Good note there. Before to go out, I just want to thank uh, Nashville band Crimson Calamity. All the show music comes via them, so give them a follow there. Uh, that's going to do it for this one, Shane. Thanks for joining me. As always, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. <laughs>